0: Barack Obama has to find an excuse for Hillary Clinton losing a near-guaranteed presidential race. And he has one. It's Vlad Putin. White House spokesman Josh Ernest explained, quote, You didn't need a security clearance to figure out who benefited from malicious Russian cyber activity. The President elect didn't call it into question. He called on Russia to hack his opponent. He called on Russia to hack Secretary Clinton. So he certainly had a pretty good sense of whose side this cyber activity was coming down on. The last several weeks of the election were focused on a discussion of emails that had been hacked and leaked by the Russians. These were emails from the DNC and John Podesta, not from the RNC and Stephen Bannon. It was the president-elect who, over the course of the campaign, indicated he thought President Putin was a strong leader. The president-elect's team, his campaign, did not make any effort to obscure this. Unquote. Now, as I explained yesterday, Hillary didn't lose because of Vladimir Putin. She lost because she was an awful, terrible, horrible candidate that no one likes and wishes would go away. And because Barack Obama has devastated his party at every single level of government. But... Obama has to find an excuse, aside from his own arrogance and Hillary's own incompetence, for the destruction of his legacy. And Putin is as good an excuse as any. But that's not the only excuse Obama has trotted out. He's trotted out fake news, pretending that a bunch of rubes reading false headlines on Facebook elevated Trump to the presidency. If only they'd paid attention to the real fake news distributed by the White House and members of the mainstream media, all would have been well. And of course... Obama thinks the legacy of racism is responsible for the backlash against his presidency. He was appearing with the execrable Trevor Noah, and he explained, quote, We have by no means overcome the legacies of slavery and Jim Crow and colonialism and racism. Obama continued by stating he had handled the issue of race just beautifully. I mean, ignore the race riots and the DOJ targeting police departments and Obama making stupid comments about black people being shot by the cops. But uh, he's a genius, and not everybody had appreciated that. He said, quote, I don't think that trying to appeal to the better angels of our nature, as Lincoln put it, is somehow compromised. There are many reasons why Hillary Clinton lost, but Putin, fake news, and racism aren't among them. Barack Obama most definitely is. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is the Ben Shapiro Show. Alrighty, so here we are. We have a lot to get to today, but first we have to say hello to our friends over at Birch Gold. If you are interested in purchasing gold, if you're interested in purchasing precious metals, or moving your 401k or your or your IRA into gold without the tax consequences, you need to talk to my friends at Birch Gold. You can visit them at Birchgold.com slash Ben, A plus rating from the Better Business Bureau. If you're concerned about where the economy is going, if you're concerned about uncertainty, then it is imperative that you go and check out Birchgold.com/slash Ben right now. They have a 16-page free kit that gives you all the information you need to know about investing in precious metals. And if you have questions, ask all your questions, and then put part of your portfolio into precious metals. Not all of it, but some of it should be in precious metals as a hedge against inflation and uncertainty in the market. Uh, And uh, Birchgold, those are the people that you want to talk to when you're ready to invest. Birchgold.com slash Ben. Okay, so tons to get to today here on the Ben Shapiro Show. First of all, it is imperative to note that Donald Trump uh, made a major announcement today, a really major announcement today, uh, from Trump Tower. And uh, he met with someone... Just uh, this is an amazing story. This is this is you know this is clip. I think this is clip three here. Uh, this is uh, the, he he met with somebody who may be a member of his cabinet, may not be a member of his cabinet, but really an important meeting. Uh, here's footage from Trump Tower this morning. Mr. Trump,
1: hi What did you guys discuss in your meeting today?
2: Just friends, just friends, and uh, it's a good man.
1: So you you doing well, long time. Positions? We've been
2: friends for a long
1: time. Life. We yeah, you know, it. About money in
3: 2020 yeah. Do you think that's something you still want to do in life this
0: mm-hmm. Connie, are you do you It's Kanye West, it by the way, for people who are watching, who are listening to this later.
3: Kanye, no comment about your meeting
0: with the President-elect. This is the President-elect of the
4: United States. There's nothing to say? I just want to take a picture right now.
2: <laughs> uh, do you wish, your wish you Kanye?
0: And then, (laughs) I don't know what this was supposed to be, but uh, it was weird. So Kanye West shows up. He wasn't the only one to show up, by the way. Apparently, Ray Lewis showed up also wearing his white suit. Ray Lewis, the linebacker for the Baltimore Ravens. He was wearing his white suit, which had Secret Service deeply concerned, because last time Ray Lewis wore a white suit, somebody got stabbed to death. (laughs) But (laughs) he burned that white suit, so this is a different white suit. Um, He was at Trump Tower also. I'm not sure what the purpose of all this is. I will say that uh, I'm not saying that Kanye is a gold digger. All I'm saying is that he's not meeting with any broke. Okay, so that that's just that's just the point here. So uh, it's uh, as somebody who mocked President Obama incessantly for meeting with celebrities, I have to mock Donald Trump for doing exactly the same thing. Uh, we have now entered the realm of the surreal. Kanye West at Trump Tower with with Donald Trump. Of course, that's not the major news of the day. Kanye and Trump have a warm relationship. They have for a while, if you recall. Donald Trump, and this is going to be a running theme, Donald Trump tends to treat people who praise him and bow before him as, as friends and wonderful, sweet political lovers. Kanye West had praised Trump before. Here's here's a video of Kanye West praising Trump. Just to
4: put, the, the audacity to put Anna Winter right next to Donald Trump. I mean, like, I put Ray J in it, bro. Like, <laughs> this is fame, bro. Like,
0: I'm gonna let you finish, but I have no idea what you're talking about. And then there, Trump praises Kanye, of course, because Kanye's a fan of Trump.
2: Kanye West, you know what? I'll never say bad about him. You know why? Because he loves Trump. He loves Trump. He goes around saying, Trump is my all time hero. He says it to everybody. So, Kanye West. I love him. Now, maybe in a few years, I'll have to run against him. I don't know. So I'll take that back. But you know what? He's been so nice to me. I, I sort of, you people have sort of seen, because I've been a counterpuncher. I only hit people when they hit me. Only. And Kanye West has been so great. I would never say bad about him because he says such nice things about says, me.
0: Kanye West, your new secretary of doing dope bleep. That's the, he's he's going to be doing some real dope bleep over at the White House. It, it is amazing. Speaking of people who he'll never say bad about because they say nice about him, Vladimir Putin... Apparently, he's got nothing bad to say about that. So Donald Trump has rolled out uh, his new secretary of state nominee, the person he's picked. It's Exxon CEO Rex Tillerson. Uh, he was so excited about it, about making America great again, that he actually, in his announcement, he actually played the national anthem. It was really exciting. That's not fair. Okay, that's not fair. That's not right. Uh, by the way, it is. A, I will say this about the Russian national anthem. It's pretty spectacular. This was the original USSR national anthem. Actually, originally it was the Internationale. Then it became this one, which is a great national anthem. Uh, and then they moved away from it. They used one uh, that was written by uh, a guy named Glinka, a very famous classical composer. And then Putin, because he's actually a Soviet KGB guy, <laughs> reimposed the USSR national anthem. But in any case, uh, here's what we know about Mr. Tillerson, who is the who's the new secretary of state uh, pick. Well, we know that he he, lo- he does like Vladimir Putin. He and, he and Putin are on very friendly terms. Here are just a few pictures from their honeymoon. Uh, here's uh, them together, you know, just enjoying each other's company. And uh, there they are looking longingly into one another's eyes at an ExxonMobil event. And here's them just shaking hands. And then... Uh, here is when Vladimir Putin gave Rex Tillerson an engagement ring. It's actually just, just a medal, uh, the order of friendship. Now, here's what I would like to say about, about Tillerson and Putin. The issue here is not Tillerson. Okay, Tillerson was the head of ExxonMobil. ExxonMobil had business relationships in Russia. That's not you know, super shocking. ExxonMobil has business relationships with a lot of terrible people. In 2011, they signed this very lucrative contract with Vladimir Putin, uh, and then that contract was killed by the sanctions imposed by the Obama administration. So Tillerson has been very much against the Russian sanctions uh, because it, it destroyed this contract that Exxon had with Vladimir Putin. Uh, important to mention here, Vladimir Putin is legitimately one of the worst people on planet Earth, OK? He's not somebody that you want to play with. There are three separate presidents who have now tried to play footsie with Vladimir Putin, and three separate times Vladimir Putin has humiliated them by doing exactly what he wants to do, running roughshod into other countries, murdering people in Syria, right? right now, people backed by Vladimir Putin are murdering women and children. Uh, there are women who are committing suicide rather than be raped by Assad's forces in Aleppo. It is Putin who's standing behind Assad's forces. Putin's a very bad guy. And all these people who think that you're going to be able to use Vladimir Putin to your advantage. No, Vladimir Putin is not used by you and he's not used by Trump. Vladimir Putin is a user. He is not the UZ. Okay, it's not going to be Trump using Vladimir Putin to do his bidding. It's going to be Vladimir Putin doing what he wants to do and Trump standing to the side, letting him do it. So, I'm not going to blame you know Rex Tillerson for being the head of Exxon. I'm sure that a lot of heads of Exxon would have done exactly what Rex Tillerson did. I don't think he's a uniquely bad human being. I don't think he's a uniquely bad politician or anything. I do think that Donald Trump's decision to, to massage Vladimir Putin's ass for literally the entirety of this election cycle and now continuing forward, that should be troublesome to a lot of Republicans. Look, like, it should be troublesome that the Russians are so excited about this. There's a Russian MP uh, who tweeted this out earlier today. Um, his name is Alexei Pushkov, and he uh, is a, a fellow who has said in the past that the, the Navy Yard shooting, if you remember, in Washington D.C. a few years back, uh, the Navy Yard shooting, he, the Navy Yard shooting. He said that that was American exceptionalism. Very anti-American guy. Uh, he celebrated the uh, the appointment of Tillerson because he's considered a Russian ally. And so, you know, this is not good news for people who are hoping that Trump was going to moderate or not be Trump. Trump was only consistent about a couple of things during this campaign. One is he doesn't really like trade, and one is he really does like Vladimir Putin. You remember, we played a montage yesterday of him talking about Putin, all the way up to and including denying that Putin had ever killed journalists, which is not true. Him denying that that Putin was a human rights violator. America's violated human rights, too. He's been very, very much in Putin's corner. Obviously, his former campaign manager, Paul Manafort, was so much in Putin's corner that he was being investigated by the FBI. So this has not changed. It's disquieting. This isn't about Tillerson. It's about Trump. And, uh, and it is not a good indicator. Again, Vladimir Putin is one of the world's worst human beings. Vladimir Putin murders dissidents. Vladimir Putin runs a petro-oligarchy where he and his friends own all the assets in Russia. Vladimir Putin has now built a personal fortune somewhere in the neighborhood of $40 billion, $40 billion. He just built himself a giant $1 billion mansion. Uh, he imprisons dissidents. Uh, he has shut down freedom of the press. Vladimir Putin is, a, is an, an absolute kleptocrat dictator, uh, and he he's an evil, evil fellow who's engaged in some of the worst human rights atrocities uh, that we've seen in the past 10, 15 years. Uh, he also has obviously invaded surrounding countries, Crimea. Uh, he invaded Georgia when George W. Bush was president. Now, a lot of people are pointing out that Condi Rice and Bob Gates and, and some kind of heavyweights have endorsed Tillerson. Two things to note about that. Bob Gates and Condi Rice run a consulting firm for which Tillerson is a client, uh, Dick Cheney has praised Tillerson. Uh, he is not somebody who, who presumably has business interests directly with Tillerson. Um, James Baker, who actually works with Putin very closely, has praised Tillerson. Again, I'm not saying Tillerson's a bad guy. I'm not even saying that Tillerson is you know anti-American or has Putin's best interests at heart or any of that. What I am saying is the only thing that Trump knows about him and the only thing anybody knows about him on foreign policy is that he's super tight with Putin, and that was the reason why Trump picked him in the first place. And that is disturbing. That should be disturbing to anybody who cares about this sort of stuff. Uh, Again, Vladimir Putin's a very, very bad guy, and it is disturbing to me how many Republicans are willing to embrace this just because it's Trump doing it. You you can call hypocrisy on Democrats, and I'm happy to do that. We'll talk about that in a second. Democrats are hypocrites about Russia. But... So are Republicans. I mean, you know, you really don't get to claim that you are anti-Putin if you're then going to sit around claiming that Donald Trump is doing wonders by siding with Putin. We'll get to that in just a second. By the way, Tillerson also has a pretty checkered record with regard to things like global warming, which does make a difference. It was John Kerry negotiating global warming treaties while he was Secretary of State under, under Barack Obama. Tillerson embraces the notion that, that man is creating global warming. He's actually even embraced a carbon tax. Here's what he had to say about it recently.
5: Clearly, there's going to be an impact. So I'm not not disputing that increasing CO2 emissions in the atmosphere is going to have an impact. It'll have a warming impact. The, the, how large it is is what is very hard for anyone to predict. And depending on how large it is, then projects how dire the consequences are.
0: He's come out in favor of a carbon tax as well, a cap-and-trade, which is the Al Gore program. So all these people who are very excited about Scott Pruitt understand that the Secretary of State does not agree with Scott Pruitt on global warming. Or, it's possible to read it as, he was saying what he had to say because he was head of ExxonMobil, but we don't know the answer to that right now. So we'll leave that one on the table. Okay, so normally, if a major head of an oil company whose main foreign policy experience was being best friends with Vladimir Putin was nominated... You would think Republicans might oppose this. (laughs) Well, you'd be wrong. Here's Paul Ryan's response. Paul Ryan said, congratulations to Rex Tillerson, a proven leader and person of enormous accomplishment. Mitch McConnell also praised Rex Tillerson. He said, I look forward to supporting his nomination. So forget about, you know, actually having the hearings and determining what his views are. He looks forward to supporting his nomination. And it is fascinating to watch as people do this. Now, I think the motivation here is that there are a lot of people— In Congress, Republicans in Congress who think that if they are really, really nice to Donald Trump, if they give him everything that he wants, he'll be nice to them. So I don't know what Paul Ryan is. I think Paul Ryan is actually delusional at this point about Trump. I think he thinks, if I'm really nice to Donald Trump, if I give him all the things he wants, then Donald Trump will do entitlement reform. (laughs) Has Paul Ryan learned nothing? Not going to happen. Donald Trump is going to do what Donald Trump wants to do. Newt Gingrich, who's just become the pseudo-intellectual shill for Trumpism. He did a lecture at Heritage Foundation today uh, in w- that was called The Principles of Trumpism, which is a new one. I wasn't aware there were any principles of Trumpism other than what Donald Trump feels like this morning. The first principle of Trumpism, according to Newt Gingrich, is praise Trump to the skies and then up your speaker's fee based on that. But he gave a speech about principles of Trumpism, and he called Trump a grizzly bear, who basically, if you get his attention, is going to claw off your face. He compared him to the grizzly bear from The Revenant. Uh, I guess that— uh, we'll, we have yet to see whether whether there was some sort of rape that went on with Leonardo DiCaprio, a bear rape that went on with Leonardo DiCaprio when DiCaprio visited Trump Tower. But the idea that you're going to control Trump is just – this is such an illusion. And it's, it's something that I think McConnell and Ryan are both engaging in, this idea that if you're nice to him, he's going to give you what you want. Not unless he already has a predilection toward you. And this is the caveat. You know, he said earlier about Kanye West, Kanye's been nice to me, so I'll be nice to him. Right, because he doesn't lose anything. Putin is nice to him, so he's nice to Putin, right, because Donald Trump is the kind of guy who is who is attracted to power and thinks power is attractive, and so he likes the fact that Putin is thrunk like bull. So, of course, he's going to be okay with Vladimir Putin, but— that doesn't mean he's going to start greenlighting entitlement reform, which he's opposed the entire way through. He thinks entitlement reform is a political disaster. He's not going to back Paul Ryan's play on that. Republicans keep going along to get along. Uh, that's going to have consequences because all you're doing is convincing people that Trump is right where he's wrong, and then he's just going to screw you anyway. right? As Mitt Romney found out, Mitt Romney put out a statement, as, and he's not Secretary of State, obviously. And Mitt Romney put out this this little statement uh, about about not being Secretary of State. Here's what it said. This is eleven. Uh, he's he it says, quote, it was an honor to have been considered for secretary of state of our great country. My discussions with presidents elect Trump have been both enjoyable and enlightening. I have very high hopes that the new administration will lead the nation to greater strength, prosperity and peace. I also hope that this administration will do all of those things. Also, this was shortly after King Joffrey Baratheon Trump, the first beheaded Ned Stark. After, after uh, I, listen, I said it at the time, right? We actually played a clip from Game of Thrones of this happening. Romney's head now decorates the, the gates at King's Landing. So, too bad for him. Meanwhile, Ryan Priebus is making overtures toward Trumpism on this, and, uh, and his defenses of, of Trump and Russia are not particularly good. Here's, here's what he had to say.
1: Well, what he said was that the sanctions were ineffective, but the reason they were ineffective was that they weren't being enforced. And so his point was, unless you're going to enforce these sanctions, they're not effective. And people are looking at the, the first part of that statement and not the second. Look, I know where Rex Tillerson is on this. He believes that sanctions and the threat of sanctions are an important part of international Strategy and diplomacy. And so he's not against sanctions. I just want to assure you of that. But what he is against is setting up sanctions that aren't uh, enforced.
0: Okay, so that's not true. Tillerson has said he was against the Russian sanctions. Uh, It wasn't about the enforceability. We'll see if they remove sanctions from Russia. That would be pretty amazing if they remove sanctions from Russia. Meanwhile, Priebus continued by saying, it's not, it's not bad to have good relationships with Vladimir Putin. This, this language is exactly the language that Barack Obama used about Cuba. It's the same language that Barack Obama has used about Putin in the past. How's it bad? To have good relationships with your enemies. You only make peace with your enemies. Here is Ryan's Priebus, the the shell for, for the Trump administration.
1: But the truth is, is that having relationships with people is not a bad thing. I don't know how we got to the place where having an, an actual functional relationship with someone who might not be a person that we first think of to have that relationship with, is mm-hmm. suddenly a bad thing. I mean, we have a lot of problems in this world and we're not going to solve those problems by making believe that people don't exist. And so, America first. That's sure. what President elect Trump lives by every day. That's what's in his head every day. Americans first, America first. We're going to be tough across the world. And President-elect Trump and Rex Tillerson and, and Vice President-elect Pence are going to take every day mm-hmm. with that mindset in place.
0: Okay, so I love that he doesn't have any real defense for this, so instead he just starts shouting America first. MAGA, 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 America first, not paying attention, not listening, blah, la la, MAGA. Okay, yes, I understand MAGA. Okay, this doesn't have anything to do with America first. The question is how close are you supposed to be to one of the worst dictators on planet Earth? Marco Rubio gets this right. Here's Rubio's statement. About Tillerson, he says, quote, While Rex Tillerson is a respected businessman, I have serious concerns about his nomination. The next Secretary of State must be someone who views the world with moral clarity, is free of potential conflicts of interest, has a clear sense of America's interests, and will be a forceful advocate for America's foreign policy goals to the president within the administration and on the world stage. I look forward to learning more about his records and his views. I will do my part to ensure he receives a full and fair hearing, et cetera, et cetera. That's basically the tactic that a lot of these people should be taking, but that is not the tactic that a lot of people are taking. Instead, Everybody is just ignoring serious questions that ought to be asked about Russia and Vladimir Putin and what he's doing in favor of sort of partisan breakdowns. And we'll get to more of that in just a bit. Plus, Democrats overreacting because they can't help themselves. It is amazing They just every landmine they have to jump on with both feet, every rake must be stepped on. All of them. Every rake and creation. We'll get to all of that, but you have to subscribe at Daily Wire to see it. You can listen, of course, later on iTunes or SoundCloud, but dailywire.com to subscribe. Eight bucks a month. Annual subscription uh, gets you a free copy of my book, True Allegiance, signed by me. And uh, we have lots of goodies coming at the Daily Wire Wire store, which is going to be opening up pretty soon. Discounts are available for subscribers, of course. Um, Plus, we're going to deconstruct the culture a little bit later, which is going to be a lot of fun. I'm gonna check it out at DailyWire.com. We are the largest conservative podcast on the internet. Okay, so everybody is so interested in the partisan team sport of all of this uh, that they are that they're falling into the trap of not actually analyzing the news. So Charles Krauthammer is pointing out the Democrats are very upset about Vladimir Putin and about Putin's interference in the election, and he says this is a delightful festival of hypocrisy about Democrats, which of course is true.
5: If the Democrats go after Tillerson on the Russia Ties it will be a delightful festival of hypocrisy. The Russians for 20 years have been as soft on the Russians as you can come. And then all of a sudden they have discovered that the Russians are not our friends. So this is quite a flip-flop. And, and Well, look, the, the famous moment all of us remember Obama mocking Romney for saying that the Russians are a big threat and now all of a sudden they're becoming cold warriors. I don't think it's going to look very good.
0: Okay, that's 100% true. It's also true that Republicans who have flipped on this are suddenly not looking so good either. So Sean Hannity is now defending Russia-hacking American institutions and saying anybody who, anybody who has questions about Russia's interference in the election is not a patriot. Wait, what is that? What? Huh? Really? Like, Sean Hannity, the same guy who was saying several years ago that Julian Assange should be arrested and now wants him pardoned because he was benefiting Trump? Why, it's almost as though... The principles are lacking. Okay, here's what, here's what Sean Hannity had to say.
2: There is no consensus between the FBI and the CIA. And according to the New York Times, there is no new information, intelligence or evidence from the CIA's investigation into these allegations. So then why is this all of a sudden a big story? Now the Daily Beast is also reporting that there's a revolt going on inside the CIA. Why? Because employees, quote, hate Trump's guts And they don't like his National Security Advisor nominee, retired Lieutenant General Michael Flynn. And then you have never-Trumpers like Senator McCain and Lindsey Graham. Well, they're joining Chuck Schumer for a, quote, bipartisan investigation into the so-called hacking when we have no new information, nothing new from before the election. Now, we shouldn't be surprised by any of this. Why? Because they all have one thing in common. They hate President-elect Trump. Now, if all these people care so much about these Russian allegations, then why didn't they feel the same way about Hillary Clinton's private server scandal? and okay, the great stop it. Just stop of that- it.
0: Okay, stop. This is so stupid. We spent the entire election cycle talking about how Hillary Clinton should not be president, specifically because of her server. We spent years talking about this. Of course we were calling about this. Of course we were on top of this. Are you kidding me? People like me were spending hours a day talking about this. And now, and now if you also question the idea that Vladimir Putin, one of the worst people on earth, maybe shouldn't be hacking American institutions to impact elections. Now we're disloyal because we're disloyal to President-elect Trump. I wasn't aware that animus toward Trump was necessary for me to question whether the Russians should be involving themselves in hacking American institutions. I mean, this kind of stuff is just egregious. It's truly egregious. I don't have to agree with the New York Times on anything. I don't have to agree with McCain and and Lindsey Graham on anything. But to pretend that everyone who's interested in finding out why Russia was able to hack American institutions is some sort of partisan hack against Trump. And it's only because of animus against Trump. I'm the one who said I wrote an article yesterday about how it didn't how how Trump would have won anyway. But that doesn't change the fact that Vladimir Putin is a bad man who's doing very bad things and trying to interfere in American elections. I mean, what the hell, dude? This is, this is really egregious. And, and again, all it comes down to is that people can't handle the idea... Of, of consistency when it comes to these, to any sort of, of principle or intellectual honesty, and that's a particularly egregious example. I mean, Sean Hannity, a guy who was saying that Vladimir Putin was the worst, the worst, the worst, the worst, is now saying there shouldn't even be an investigation into the hacking. There shouldn't even be an investigation because who knows? It might hurt my beloved President Trump. It might hurt him so badly. Oh, no. It's all from these disloyal people who didn't vote for Trump anyway. Oh, my goodness. They didn't vote for Trump, so they don't get to have a say on things like whether Russia should hack the DNC. See. Goodness gracious! You didn't vote for Obama, but I remember you critiquing Obama pretty hard, Sean. I remember that. It's not just Hannity, by the way. Bill O'Reilly uh, is is now chilling for, for Tillerson. I love this. He's saying that what really is going to happen with Tillerson, it's not about Tillerson, you know, being friendly with Putin. It's about Tillerson will be the kind of guy who actually is able to neutralize Putin. That's what that's what he's going to do.
2: Fox News is now reporting that CEO of Exxon Rex Tillerson is Trump's pick for Secretary of State. I've never met Mr. Tillerson, know little about him, although reports are he has a good relationship with Vladimir Putin. Maybe Tillerson can neutralize Putin's bad behavior. That would be a good thing. I expect Mr. Tillerson to be confirmed in the Senate despite all the whining.
0: Despite all the whining. Can you have a legit question without it being whining? Like, legit questions? And I love that he he just assumes out of nowhere that that Tillerson's going to neutralize Putin. Like, based on what? Based on what you mean, the multi-billion-dollar oil deal they signed together, and that magic medal that he pinned on Tillerson's chest, Putin pinned on Tillerson. Yeah, I'm sure that that was that was really neutralizing. Again, this is wish casting. I hate wish casting. Okay, don't wish what you want Trump to be. Don't wish what you want Tillerson to be. Look at the reality of what's in front of you and then analyze that reality. And if evidence changes, then change your opinion. But you don't get to wish cast into the future. Maybe Tillerson will assassinate Putin and he'll replace him with George Washington. Anything can happen, guys. Like, really, that's not your job. That's not your job. Hugh Hewitt is doing the same thing. And I love Hugh. I'm friends with Hugh. But come on. He says that... Anybody who is having questions about, about the, the Russian hacking is trying to delegitimize the Trump presidency. I'm not trying to delegitimize the Trump presidency. I'm concerned about Russia intervening in our elections. That's not a good thing. I'm old enough to remember when Hugh thought it wasn't a good thing. I'm old enough to remember in 2012 when he thought that Barack Obama offering flexibility to the Russians in exchange for the Russians being nice to him during the 2012 election cycle, that was a bad thing. And here he is saying, uh, any questions you have, that's delegitimizing the, the Trump presidency.
5: This is a first an attempt to delegitimize the Trump election by saying it was Director Comey's fault. Secretary Clinton came out and blamed fake news last week. This week they're blaming the Russians. When we all should be recognizing and not being an election denier, it sounds like Jones going into the election denier no, camp. No, I'm not. I'm
4: going, there going into was the
5: an
3: camp of more, Donald, of more information, Hugh. This is a really Do- serious Donald issue. Donald Trump won.
0: Donald Trump won. Yes, we know he won. And asking questions about what the Russians did doesn't even have an impact on how he won. But this, is, this, kind of, this, this ideological hijacking of the party just out of personal loyalty to Trump is not something that I take kindly to because, as you know, I don't do personal loyalty to politicians. I'm not, I, I, people ask me, am I rooting for Trump to succeed? No, I'm not rooting for Trump to succeed. I'm not rooting for him to fail. I'm rooting for policies that are good to be implemented because I don't care about Trump. Why would I care about his personal success or failure? makes no difference to me whatsoever. None. I don't care whether he's personally successful. I care whether he does the job he was, a, he was elected to do, which was represent the American people, defend our rights under the Constitution. That's what I care about. That's what I care about. It's just it's, – it's really bizarre. Now, all of this is not to say that the Democrats are getting this right because they aren't. The Democrats are egregious. The Democrats just keep – they're overplaying their hand. Instead of saying we should be concerned and we have a right to be concerned about this Russia stuff and we got it wrong with Obama and, yes, we got it wrong, but now we want to get it right – which would be the right way to go about this. Instead, they're trying to claim that Jim Comey and Vladimir Putin conspired to make Donald Trump president. It's Harry Reid. Again, the worst liar in the American Senate. I can't wait till this piece of crap goes. Uh, here's what he had to say. Why do you think that is?
2: Well, it's obvious he was a partisan in all this. Comey. Yeah, part of Comey, yes. It's obvious. There's information out there. He had it, I'm confident, and he ignored it. And we know from other reports we've seen from all you guys. There were reports... And the people in the campaign for Donald Trump were in touch with the Russians. And now it's very clear. One of the biggest mysteries that people think exists, why didn't he do something? There's no mystery to me.
0: He's so terrible, Harry Reid. And every time the Democrats overplay their hand, all they do is allow people on the right to play the anti-anti-Trump game. Right? You don't have to like what Trump's doing, but the people who are anti-Trump are doing stuff that's really stupid. So we can, instead of discussing the real issues, like what's he going to do as president, we just get to rip on the anti-Trump crowd. And that's fun, and it's easy, and we can do it full time, but it also tends to be a little bit of a waste because there are real issues that are on the table that we should be, that we should be examining, you know, the things that we ought to be concerned about. Okay. Meanwhile, uh, it's uh, Rick Perry has been elected has been selected for Department of Energy. That's a great pick. He is a very high energy fellow, as we've seen, uh, and um, I think that it is imperative that we recognize just how Yo, important VIP. this is. Let's kick it. Nice, nice, baby. Oh
4: nice, yeah! Nice, baby. All right, stop. Collaborate and listen. I sit back with a brand new invention. Something grabs a hold of me tightly, flow well, like there a hot is. Pool Your Secretary night of night. Energy will never stop. Yo, I don't know. Turn off the lights, huh? And I'll glow to the extreme. I'll rock a mic like a vandal. Light up a stage and watch a chunk like
0: a candle. So he's the third reality TV starring in this administration. We've got Trump himself, we've got Linda McMahon at the Small Business Administration, and there you have your Secretary of Energy uh DJing this, this routine. Uh, over on the side there. So there he is, Ah, the Secretary of Energy. Again, actually, it's a good pick. I mean, he'll be fine, as Secretary of Energy, very good four-term governor. I'm just joshing, Rick Perry. Uh, I've met Governor Perry, nice guy. Um, I will say that it was a very odd experience. He's in a room with me, Dennis Prager, Hugh Hewitt, Michael Medved, and a guy named Brian Whitman, who is a lefty who, do, who does a morning show with me. And, uh, and Whitman, uh, he, so Perry has all these people who are kind of not not aside from me, intellectual luminaries on the right. And he immediately goes over to Whitman and they start talking about, do their dogs sleep in their bed? And I have to admit that at that moment, the thing that flashed through my mind was Homer Simpson talking to Gerald Ford about drinking beer and why they both like beer and golf. Uh, and so that was that's my my one time meeting Governor Perry, who's a very nice guy and will actually be good at this job. But that's his personal story. Meanwhile, Barack Obama simply can't understand Uh, how he's been such a failure, how his legacy is going to be wiped away. He was on with Trevor Noah yesterday and uh, two of my least favorite humans together at once. And the earth didn't implode, sadly. But here was uh, was Barack Obama uh, explaining ripping on President-elect Trump for not attending intel briefings. By the way, Barack Obama did not regularly attend intel briefings, apparently. Here's what he had to say.
5: It doesn't matter how smart you are. You have to have the best information possible to make the best decisions possible. And uh, my experience with our intelligence agencies is that they are not perfect, they'd be the first to acknowledge that, but they are full of extraordinarily hardworking, patriotic and knowledgeable experts. And if you're not getting their perspective, uh, their detailed perspective, then you are flying blind.
0: Flying blind. Yeah, clearly Obama's detailed perspective has done us a world of good considering the entire world is on fire. I love Trevor Noah sitting there seriously, like this comedian from Comedy Central who can't make anybody laugh. Uh, should like th- This is a valuable use of the presidents of the United States' time, and Obama's still president. Uh, presumably he's reading the headlines from Aleppo where Syrians are being slaughtered en masse by Bashar Assad, who, by the way, crossed Obama's red line and then crossed it again. He put it in reverse, went back over the red line, put it in drive, went back over the red line, uh, like the like the Jeepers Creepers uh, monster being run over in the car 27 times in a row. Uh, and, and apparently that doesn't bother Obama. He's got time to hang out with Trevor Noah. Uh, he was also ex- trying to explain that it was the media's fault that Hillary Clinton had lost. Again, Obama with the least funny human on earth. Uh, Trevor Noah's officially named that last year. Uh, and uh, here's the conversation.
5: But Trevor, I think what everybody has to reflect on is what is it about our political ecosystem what is it about the state of our democracy where the leaks of what were frankly not very interesting emails that didn't have any explosive information in them the risotto was interesting ended up being an obsession and the fact that the Russians were doing this was not an obsession. I, I, this was not a secret running up to the election. The president-elect, in, uh, in some of his political events, specifically said to the Russians, hack Hillary's emails
0: Obama so that we can finally find you. out what... It's just so he's still complaining and, th- and pretending that Trump won the election because of the hacked emails. And why did you even pay attention to the hacked emails? Well, since they were publicly available and anyone could see them, it was kind of difficult not to pay attention to them. Maybe you should have told your secretary of state not to have a private server. Maybe you should have told her chief of staff, who worked closely with your administration, uh, that it would be a bad idea to click on a rushing phishing link which is how the the Russians got access to his emails in the first place. Finally, Obama sums up by saying, America still has not overcome the legacy of slavery and Jim Crow. Don't worry, we'll never overcome the legacy of slavery and Jim Crow, because so long as you can keep blaming all American problems on the legacy of slavery and Jim Crow, you can keep claiming you need power in order to rectify those imbalances.
5: My general theory uh, is that if I was clear in my own mind about who I was, comfortable in my own skin, and had clarity about the way in which race continues to be this powerful factor in so many elements of our lives, but that it is not the only factor in so many aspects of our lives, that uh, we have by no means overcome. The legacies of slavery and Jim Crow and colonialism and racism, but that the progress we've made has been real and extraordinary. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I'm communicating my genuine belief that uh, those who are not uh, subject to racism uh, can sometimes have blind spots or Uh, Lack appreciation of what it feels to be on the receiving end of that, but that doesn't mean that they're not open to learning and uh, uh, caring about equality and justice and that I can uh, win them over because there's goodness in the majority of people
0: faux race sophisticated President Obama blaming continuing American racism uh, for—suddenly uh, he's doing it for Trump's election, and he's saying that really, you know, we just have to acknowledge that racism is still a driving force in American life. I can't imagine why people rebelled against that message after electing him twice and watching him polarize Americans along racial lines. Okay, time for some stuff I like, things I hate, and then deconstructing. So, stuff I like, uh, I'm, I've just started this book, so I'll tell you if it's any good or not. The stuff I like has sort of become what I'm, act- what I'm reading uh, so, <laughs> The Second Machine Age uh, is the name of the book by Eric Brynjolfsson, I think is how it's pronounced, and Andrew, Ma- and Andrew McAfee. It's about work, progress, and prosperity in a time of brilliant technologies. Sort of asks the question, what happens when, the, when technology becomes so good that it kills tons of jobs? What should we do next? And is technology going to generate new jobs? Uh, I've started it. It's very well written. Uh, I'll, get, I'll let you know, you know how it goes as I get further along uh, in the book. Okay, time for some things that I hate. So, Joy Behar of The View, uh, always a regular on Things I Hate. Uh, she, was on, uh, she was on The View, obviously, m- mouthing off. And she's very, very upset about the Russian interference in the election. She wasn't upset, again, in 2012, um, but she's, very upset, very, she's upset very much right now because Hillary has to be the president. She actually calls on Trump to resign over the Russians hacking Hillary Clinton's email and hacking John Podesta's email. Uh, Joy Behar making the world stupider one utterance at a time. Paul Manafort, who used to be his campaign director, he had to quit because of his ties to Russia. I mean, do we have to wait till the hammer and sickle is on the American flag before we stand up to this guy?
2: is like to whoopi's point when you're talking about manufacturing which is how you really do bring in jobs why is he in bed with russia like this is it because our oil industry is going to be reinvigorated is it an energy yeah. thing i, is it, I think or is it be, is it i think the work? optics of it is that
3: he figures oh let me let me also for him it's let me bring someone to the table and have some sort of let me let me portray myself
0: this show is so stupid it's mind-bogglingly stupid when people say things like manufacturing is the way you bring jobs back to the United States, if you had one iota of knowledge about the economics of the United States, you would understand how false that is. The service industry has been growing in the United States continuously for 30 years. The manufacturing industry has been declining in the United States for 30 years. The idea, whatever, forget, forget their economic analysis from people who literally don't know what the Treasury Department does. But, the, but Joy Behar saying, what do we have to do? Wait until the hammer and sickle are up on a flag? Is that what we have to do? I mean, sure, I was kind of okay when the hammer and sickle were actually on the other guy's flag, and I kind of liked the communists. I mean, let's be real, communism was kind of great. But, but now that the Russians are intervening for Donald Trump, who I hate, then it's just terrible. Joy Behar, my goodness. I mean, just I, I, do they film that out here? They film this in New York. I think they film it in New York. Uh, the entire, it makes the entire coast's IQ average drop by at least 15 points that Joy Behar is on that coast. Uh, it, is, it is incredible to watch her work. It's, it's almost like a, a work of art um, in, in its own peculiar way. Sure, it's a work of art that's being, that's being crafted by a mentally deficient orangutan, but it's still a work of art, I suppose, uh, in its own peculiar way. It's sort of fascinating to watch as Joy Behar makes a mockery of herself. Again, you can, you, there are legitimate worries about Donald Trump's ties to the Russians, but the idea that, that Trump has to step down because the hammer and sickle are going to be put on our flag. Okay. Meanwhile, Samantha Bee, uh, the second least funny human being on planet Earth, uh, is uh, she she and Trevor Noah have been in a a running gun battle over who's the least funny person on planet Earth. Uh, I don't know how she got a show other than she's really liberal and uh, she's really leftist and the TV execs are too. Uh, She's very, very upset with the identity politics run by the Trump campaign. You may notice that she neglects to mention a couple of things.
3: Hold up, Donner Party. That's a fun new buzzword. Could someone white spleen it to us? Identity politics defines whites, and particularly white males, as the oppressors of every other group real or imagined in the United States. It has created vast government bureaucracies dedicated to extirpating phantom white racism. Okay, one, white males is an identity, and two, the only way white racism is a phantom is that its most iconic uniform is literally a ghost costume. (laughs) I forget, what do you call it when you have two phrases that mean the same thing, but one makes people feel better? But that was
2: a euphemism.
3: Right, a euphemism. He is, like, smart. Identity politics is the dismissive term for what we used to call civil rights and equality. Could you please use it in a sentence?
1: So I was talking to one of my friends who is a Democrat and he said couldn't vote for his Democratic congressman this time because in his estimation, the Democrat party was all about uh, identity politics, about greenhouse gases, stuff like that.
3: I know, when is the left gonna fuck off with that greenhouse gas shit? Talk about something that affects all of us. The party that won by appealing exclusively to whites has been super generous with their advice for Democrats.
1: Democrats have been running this identity politics, political correctness game for a long time. You just get the sense that people are
2: getting real tired of it. It all seems like a dead end to me, dead identity politics.
1: That's not the path for progressives.
2: The Republicans are the ones who are talking about jobs. Yeah, I mean that—that's the issue. And we didn't talk about economic issues, jobs, wages.
3: It's our fault. We fell down the stairs. We're so clumsy. Look, <laughs> well, stop it. Come on, Democrats. There's losers Stockholm syndrome, and then there's taking your talking points from Steve okay. Ducey and Pal.
0: Okay, we can. So uh, I didn't mean to play so much of her, but it was so fascinating, lady that we just had to continue with it uh, first of all she, she suggests Christina Hoff summers is the person there uh, who is making the case about or is that Heather McDonald I think it's Heather McDonald there uh, who's making the case about identity politics and uh, and and Samantha B, Uh, is ignoring what she's saying in order to label literally all white males members of the KKK. That's what she did there. She basically said white racism exists. It's the KKK and all white males are guilty of it. She says white males is a a political identity group and racism exists. Here's their uniform. So white males are all members of the KKK. And then she wonders maybe why white males didn't vote Democrat, like vote for people like, like Samantha Bee. I can't imagine. And the idea that Democrats don't play identity politics, that they don't break down people into ethnic groups and then declare certain people members of victim groups and certain people members of oppressor groups, You know, she pretends that that's about civil rights. It's not about civil rights. It's about winning over groups of people by claiming that they are victims of the broader society, even when there is not enough evidence to demonstrate that they are victims of the broader society. But she wants to ignore all of that because Democrats will double down on this identity politics. They think that Americans must be broken down into those categories. And then she's all shocked when white people Look at that and they say, wait a second, we don't like I don't see myself as a white male primarily. I don't see myself as I mean, honestly, like I think a lot of the people on the, the alt-right white supremacists don't see me as white at all. I'm a Jew. Um, but she but she suggests that everybody who is of the right and disagrees with her on identity politics is actually just a member of the oppressor class who's trying to destroy everything. So unconsciously, she justifies everything that Heather McDonald is saying. Her entire shtick here, which is intended to mock Heather McDonald, actually is is justifying everything Heather McDonald's is saying. That the identity politics pushed by people on the left, like like the deeply unfunny Samantha Bee, uh, are intended to polarize the the nation along racial lines and then use that polarization for political gain. Okay, we don't have time to to deconstruct all culture here. We had so many great deconstructing the culture things here, but we we do have time to do a little bit of, of deconstructing the culture. So, uh, the num- number one on the rap chart... This week is, uh, is a song called Black Beatles from Ray Sremurd. I don't know how that's pronounced. Featuring Gucci Mane. Again, no clue if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, but this, here, here's a little bit of the, of the music video.
4: Confiscate the money. Yeah. Right girl. Wow. Send <laughs> flowers but you said you didn't receive. What you said will me <laughs> That girl is a real crowd please. Small world yeah, all her friends Not know you. of me. No make up. Young bull living like an old geese. Quick oh. release the cash watch it fall slowly. Still trying to get in. Haters mad for whatever reason. Smoke in the air, binge drinking. They lose it when the DJ drops the knee. Getting soaked on. To and the street, like the, Black Cream in the Regal,
0: Okay, so first of all, this song like more- is just awful. I don't even know how somebody can listen to this, musically speaking. There is no music. It's just garbage. But uh, the, the idea is that these they're like the Beatles, right? They're like the Beatles. They're rebels. But they're not preaching any sort of real societal change they're just preaching the idea of sex and drugs and money and more sex and more drugs and more money i'm an effing black beetle cream sits in it sits in the regal rock and john lennon lenses like to see him spread eagle okay first of all i'm not a fan of the beatles okay if i have not made this clear before i think the beatles are the most overrated band in the history of music that said the beatles actually were capable of writing a catchy tune that's number one <laughs> and second of all uh some of the some of the some of the lyrics that the Beatles promulgated were were not in fact about just randomly screwing people and doing drugs and stealing other people's money. This is not the kind of culture that the the, the equation there uh is is i think a little bit overstated, and I think also that it if the Beatles did lead to this, if the, if the idea was that the Beatles created a culture that eventually led to this, then I think that's more of a critique of what the Beatles did uh, than anything else. It's, it, shouldn't be, it shouldn't necessarily be a, uh, a compliment to the Beatles that the black Beatles are talking about all the same things all the other rappers are talking about, that it's just like John Lennon and Paul McCartney. Again, I think advocates of that music would say these are nothing alike. Um, But the culture that's being promulgated here, the sex and drugs culture, actually is just a more extreme version of the 1960s culture that also promoted sex and drugs. I mean, the truth is that there's a lot of Beatles music that does, especially during their high period, like Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. that, That sort of 1960s period was an upper crust white version of some of this stuff. So in that way, the song isn't entirely inaccurate. Now, I do want to contrast that with country music. So I, if you want to talk about sort of the cultural breakdown of the country and why people don't get along anymore and why there's no—it seems like there's two Americas, one of the ways that you can actually see that is when you take a look at country music. So if you take a look at, um, at the, the leading country song that's out there right now, it is kind of fascinating. Uh, the, the name of this song uh, is May We All, and it's a Tim McGraw song, and here is the—and and here's a little bit of that.
1: May we all
4: get to grow up in a red, white, and blue little town. Get a won't stop hey, to position? try to fix Oh man. Up you just worry about where I'm gonna finish, alright? With some part time cash and driving a to find a sweet little thing. Where's your ball cap back? kind of place you can't wait to leave and nobody does. Let's go, boy. Cause you miss it too. May we all know that nothing ain't cool till you hit a The sound of a quarter rolling down the jukebox, playing Travis Tritt right above the Tupac. Before you get lost on some road, slow rollin' with the
0: top by the back of the pronto, a Bronco. Okay, no, so we need to stop but if you actually listen to the lyrics, it's May we all get to grow up in our red, white, and blue little town, get a one-star hand-me-down Ford to try to fix up with some part-time cash from driving a tractor. No sex. No stealing, no drugs, part-time job to fix up your Ford that you that you got, and it's a piece of crap, but you're going to try and make it better. Uh, it's a patriotic little town. You wonder where people resonated to Trump's Make America Great Again stuff. This is where, right? It's the nostalgia for the idea of the little town that is, that is a, a home to everybody, where you can meet a, a sweet girl and then get married and have babies with her. Uh, and hopefully she's hot, and then it's, and, and then and then you have a family. It says, May we all do a little better than the first time. Learn a little something from the worst times. Get a little stronger from the hurt times. May we all get a chan- have a chance to ride the fast one. Walk away wiser when we crashed one. Keep hoping that the best is the last one. You learn to fly, and if you can't, then you just free fall. Uh, and may we all. So the the idea here is it's it's an aspirational song about this kind of little town that you live in, and you hope that you get to enjoy all the nice things in life and make your life better, learn from your mistakes. Okay, You wonder why there's a gap in the country? Maybe it's because one perception of the, one perception of the mentality of, the, of, of the, the artist is sex, drugs, and rock and roll, and the other mentality, at least in some areas of country, uh, is, is patriotism, small-town values, part-time job, work hard, get better at what you're doing. That sort of stuff is where there's a gap. And that's not a racial gap. That's a cultural gap. That's a cultural gap. As I say, there's actually something to the idea that the, that the rap culture is related to the Beatles culture. Um, but the, the I would say this. On a spectrum, Beatles culture is closer to rap culture than it is to country culture. And that's something that is that is worth – pointing out, because that, that cultural gap is getting wider. Uh, it, is not getting, it is not getting narrower. All righty. Well, that brings us to the end of today's show. We'll be back tomorrow. I'm sure there will be lots to discuss, as always. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First,